Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning. It's a privilege to welcome you. If um, you don't recognize me, my name's Natalie. I'm the associate vicar here, and it's a privilege to unpack God's word together that Giovanni has so beautifully read. Let's um, start with a quick prayer, shall we? Lord God, we thank you that you meet us in your word, that you change us and shape us according to your will. And we pray that that would happen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, quite some years ago, for those of you who know how old my son is, it was quite some years ago, Mike and I did a parenting course. And one of the questions that we were asked um, when we showed up at this course was, what does your child or your children worry about? What do they worry about? Now, at the time Tom was five, he's now 21. So I will answer his five-year-old answer, not his answer from today, if you don't mind. One of the things that we picked out that made him worry, if we could have the first slide, was being sick. Not being ill, but literally being sick, that kind of green face type being ill. And it was quite a worry for him for some time. Now, short of locking him in a room as a child and putting a big buffer around him where he had no contact with anyone, there was absolutely nothing that we as parents could do that would prevent him at some stage from picking up a bug and being sick. It's like we couldn't do anything. And if we'd have worried about his worry, I'm sure that would only make him feel more anxious. And before I dig a little deeper into this passage today, I just want to give a quick health warning. If we could have my health warning slide up, that'd be fabulous. My health warning. To sit beside this sermon, I've got to acknowledge that worry is a real big deal for some people. It's a really big thing. And when we speak about worry through this passage in Matthew, I am not in any way attempting to give a full and rounded response to medically diagnosed issues of clinical anxiety or any other conditions like that. What is captured in scripture here today of Jesus's words may, through God's blessing, bring healing to worry for some. However, it's important to acknowledge that God also works through the grace and care of counselors and medical professionals And one Sunday sermon can't and shouldn't be used as an alternative to that care where it's needed. Health warning finished. Back to normal. Thank you. I'd like to take a poll, church. And the poll is, you start with your hands with zero. Okay, so hands on your laps so that you can answer it for yourselves at zero. If you want to score 10, it looks like this. If you want to score five, it looks like this. You get the point. Ten is really worried. Zero is totally calm. You're on a beach, on holiday. There's absolutely nothing that could get to you, okay? You're not in Scotland. There are no mozzies. Okay, so calm or worry. 
I'm going to mention some words and I want you to measure your own levels of worry. Spiders. <laughs> okay, there's a real diversity of views in the congregation. Uh, bullying. Is that a really big worry for you? Is it not so much? Fabulous. Okay, another worry. What do you wear to church on Sunday? If you're clergy, that's a bit different, okay? <laughs> uh, feeling lonely, is that a worry for you right now or is that not a worry? Falling out with friends, is that a big worry, a small worry? No. We're back to Tom's one, being sick, but this could be being ill in some way, somebody around you's ill, do you worry about that? Money worries, from have I got enough pocket money left for the sweets I want to buy, through to the big deal numbers. Is that a big worry, a small worry? Yeah. How about um, exams or big assignments at work? How much of a worry is that? Okay. Uh, international conflict, how much of that is a worry right now for people? Yeah, I get that. It's big, isn't it? Now, I've picked a whole bunch of different worries. When I first asked the question and said, we're going to do a poll about worry, what's the one thing that's not on my list that's worrying you? And how, where do you score that? Have a think about that. You don't need to say it out, but just what is that other worry that would be on your mind? So what kind of things do we try to do ourselves when we're faced with worry? Um, Matt, bless him, who's um, worried about his voice, um, is going to help us by singing a song. We're going to have a song in the middle of a sermon. How radical is that? Um, if you recognize it and you want to join in, because we're a bit worried about Matt's voice today, so if you want to sing along with him to give him a bit of support, then you can do. Um, and if the kids want to dance along to the song, that would be amazing, um, because I think some of you will recognize it. Oh, that's okay. That's cool. Sorry, I should have warned him a bit earlier, shouldn't I? Note to self. We're not going to put the words up because uh, you'll know them. When Natalie asked if I could sing this song on Wednesday, my first thought was not the title of this song. Here's a little song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note, but don't worry, be happy. In every life we have some trouble, when you worry you make it double. Don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Don't 
Ain't got no place to lay your head Somebody came and took your bed Don't worry Be happy The landlord says your rent is late He may have to litigate Don't worry Be happy Don't worry Be happy now No cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no girl to make you smile. Don't worry, be happy. Cause when you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry, be happy. Turn that frown upside down. Don't worry, Ooh, be happy. Ooh, Ooh, you so much. Is that one of the things you turn to when you need not to worry? Is that one of the ways you let go of how you feel about a situation? Does our song help? Other things that we try sometimes when I'm worried about things, sometimes I talk to somebody. And a bit like my health warning earlier, the thing you have to be careful when you talk to someone about worry is be really careful who you talk to and when you talk to them. So if I talk to my husband about my worries when he's got his head focused on something else, I get the kind of, there, there, don't worry, darling, it'll all be okay answer. Anybody had that answer from somebody sometimes? Okay, hands up if it's helpful. Yeah, we get it, okay? So that kind of don't worry, be happy thing is only so good if it actually gets to the heart of the problem. Telling somebody when they're not to worry, church, hear me now, is not always the best thing. Sometimes you just have to sit beside somebody in their worry and just be with them. Don't tell them not to worry because sometimes that's not what they need to hear. While a song or a chat might help us in the moment, actually it's not what Jesus offers in our passage. I wonder whether that's because it doesn't really address the deeper problem. Worry left unresponded to at times can lead to really selfish decision-making. Why? Because worry is often me-centered. It's my looks, my relationship, my issues to worry about. And I think it's that inward-focused worry that Jesus is addressing in our passage The type of worry that knows nothing about self-sacrifice, 
about laying down our rights and responsibilities in the favor of another. At times with scripture, we take it and we apply it direct to our lives today. And that's not a bad thing. But sometimes I think we have to think a little more deeper than that. If we could have the slide of the faces, please. I want us to really think about who Jesus is speaking to and what he's looking to address. Because if you read around the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, you'd most likely agree with lots of the Bible scholars that the people he's speaking to are a bunch of fairly settled, law-abiding, not so well off that they're exempt from day to, uh, so well off maybe that they're exempt from the day-to-day worry. They may even have some modest savings. They might have had some form of education of the time. Maybe they had a trade or a family that they could depend on. But at some level, they were probably fairly satisfied in life. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have been free enough from work to be able to be there and listen to Jesus because they'd have been doing jobs for somebody else. I wonder then if we're taking time out to listen to Jesus speak about worry, why were they there? What were they expecting Jesus was going to talk to them about? Did they come to be provoked and challenged Or did they come to have a pat on the head and say, there, there, don't worry? Because Jesus wasn't really a there, there, don't worry kind of speaker. So if they'd heard anything he'd said before, they know that they're not going to get there, there, it'll all be fine, don't worry everybody, in quite the way that I'm saying it with that tone. So what does Jesus invite them not to worry about? I want you to open your Bibles. For those of you who aren't normally with us, there are some in the shelves behind you. And if you turn to chapter 6, I want you to look together at three different verses. In verse 25, 28, and 31, John's going to come round with a roving mic. I want you to find out what Jesus says we're not to worry about. Verse 25, 28, and 31, what does he say specifically we're not to worry about? Put up a hand as soon as you've spotted something and my glamorous assistant will come find you. So what things does he say not to worry about? Brilliant. We've got one hand up at the back there. Anybody else spotted anything? Okay, we've got a few more down this side as well. Verse 25 says, do not worry about your life. Your life. So we're not to worry about our lives. What else are we told not to worry about? There's some more down this side, John. Thank you. Verse 28 is not to worry about clothes. Not to worry about clothes is one thing. Lots of one thing. What else have we got? Oh, I'm making John sprint around church. That's really rude on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Um, in verse 25, it also says um, you should not worry about what you are to eat or to drink. Food, clothing, life. Anything else anyone else has um, spotted? 31 is don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Excellent. I think we've got a full house. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Do you ever wonder when you read scripture how Jesus would change it if he was stood here now in place of me? What would he tell us not to worry about? Because if in the main, like the people that he was speaking to then, we are blessed by God with sufficient food, drink, and clothing, 
Why is Jesus talking about worry? Why is he talking with them about worry? Why would, what he, would he be saying to us about worry? I wonder if maybe rather than looking to give reassurance, Jesus was giving them a bit of a nudge and saying, after all, much of what God has promised in this passage, the majority of those people who were listening to him probably already had. Maybe instead God was inviting to let go of the petty worries about things that God had already blessed them with and inviting them to turn towards a more adventurous life with him and a new attitude about the things of daily life. Um, Some of the kids have been making some slides for us, um, making some things for us. Do you think you could um, wave one of these that we've got? Oh, amazing. Hold it up really high so everybody can see. Fantastic. Because when Jesus, there are a few things that Jesus definitely isn't saying. If we could have a next slide, please. Oh, no. Uh, there we go. He's, Jesus isn't saying about reassurance and comfort. He's talking about adventure and challenge. So he's not saying you get to sit around on the sofa all day doing nothing and God will provide. Because the illustration he uses is the birds of the air. And God doesn't feed the birds of the air by depositing a bunch of food on a branch. They have to fly around and find it. So God isn't saying that we don't have to work. He's also not saying that we're exempt from responsibility to clothe other people. There are many in the world who are ill-clad, undernourished. There's no simple solution to that. There really is, sadly, no simple solution. However, the truth that we might reflect on is that God has provided ample resources across the earth and sea. So rather than there being a lack of provision for our basic need, maybe we need to reflect that there's an unequal distribution of basic resources in our world. And finally, God says we're not exempt from trouble. And uh, we were chatting about this in the office um, earlier this week. And just reflecting back, if I took a poll of the generations of Greyfriars who still worship here, there'd be some who will remember World War II. There'll be some like my parents' generation who can remember the rationing that followed it. There'll be some who remember the threat of IRI terrorists. There are some who the first thing that when you think of worry flashes into your mind is the AIDS campaign. I remember that. Or the Cold War. Or maybe that morphed into threats from other terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda. And today we're deeply worried about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and the consequences that flow from that. We are not exempt, unfortunately, from trouble. And God doesn't say that we will be. But what Jesus is saying is that we are valuable. uh, Can we have our next slide? We're valuable, like the birds of the air who are clothed in all the glory that they've got. How much more will God clothe you and I? He's using that argument that looks at the least and then gets to the greatest. 
And he begins by saying, our heavenly father takes care of the birds of the air and of the grass. And then he moves on to the greater things and saying, how much more is God going to take care of that which he created in his own image? We are valuable. And we can see that value and that care in other passages. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we're told, cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And why do I pick that out particularly for today? Because like the Sermon on the Mount, it expresses both God's compassion and deep care in the face of worry, but also the challenge that comes with that. The challenge of humility and self-discipline. Because around that verse, the rest of the passage says this, humble yourselves under the almighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves and keep alert. Discipline yourselves, keep alert, humble yourself. So our anxiety is set in the context of growing with God. So instead of worry, what does Jesus invite us to do? He says in verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If you have a need, don't worry. Instead, seek God. Keep alert through prayer. Your discipline of seeking God might be prayer that's especially attentive, listening and looking for God's response. And why should we focus first to seek the kingdom of God and righteousness? In verse 27, we're told, worry can't add one hour to our lives. Worry doesn't change anything. Indeed, we're told each, each day has enough worry of its own. Jesus is inviting us to live a little more, one day at a time. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. In fact, worry forgets. Have you ever noticed how forgetful worry is? Worry is forgetful because you forget the things that God did when he saw you through the tricky times. Instead, worry, invites us, worry should invite us to remember the stories of God's faithfulness, to reflect on his testimony and the way he's changed and shaped us from our past into our present. Living a kingdom life means we honor God by being thankful for what he's done already, for the blessings, be they small or large. We're grateful. We can be grateful. So as a way of expressing a lack of worry before God, I wonder if you could have a grateful book. William Barclay, an author, said this, those who feed their hearts on the record of what God has done in the past will never worry about the future. Shall I say that again? Those who feed their hearts on the record of what God has done in the past will never worry about the future. This week, why don't you make a diary each day of something that you are thankful or grateful for? And if you're worried still, 
I suggest you write your worry list on a piece of paper. If I could have the next slide, please. There we go. If you're worried, on the top of a piece of paper, write worry list. And write down on the piece of paper all the things that you're worried about. And then I want you to change one word on the top of that piece of paper. Cross out the word worry and change it to prayer. Because your worry list will become your prayer list. Allow God to equip you and respond to your worries by turning an inward concern somewhere where you're looking inward into outward action. Because we do that in the knowledge that God loves you more than he loves the grass in the field or the birds in the air. Jesus isn't offering us a there, there, platitude kind of solution to worry. Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom. A kingdom lifestyle that's fully dependent on the grace of God and ask for that grace to come in places and around the people that he puts us beside each day. Let's just still ourselves and pray because the ultimate expression of a lack of worry is to come to Jesus. And that's what we're going to do next in the form of communion. So let's um, just have a quick prayer. Lord Jesus, in the face of any worries that we have, the issues that face this church and the town that it's in, the great issues that face our world of conflict and poverty. May we never lose sight of your priorities. Help us to see things through your eyes. Fix our eyes, our hearts, and our prayers and our actions in your way of love, justice, and mercy. Amen.